everyone, you're listening to Bionic Bug Podcast with fiction author and national security expert Natasha Bajma. Join me as I discuss the latest news about emerging technology, read chapters from Bionic Bug, and explore the real-life technologies featured in my novel. We'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bionic Bug Podcast. You are listening to episode number nine. I'm your host, Natasha Bajma, fiction author, futurist, and national security expert. I'm recording this episode on June 17, 2018. I hope you didn't miss my special episode uh, on June 7, where I interviewed biohacker Josiah Zainer, and we talked about genetic engineering, CRISPR, frogs, and so much more. So I hope you catch it. You can catch it on the podcast, or you can see the episode as recorded live on YouTube. I'll make sure to provide the link in the show notes. Today, I'm going to discuss a few headlines and then get right to chapter nine of Bionic Bug. If you're enjoying this show, I would really ask you to please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time and cost of producing the show for only just a few dollars a month. Please go to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, forward slash Natasha Bajma. Okay, let's talk tech. I have a few interesting headlines for you this week. The first, artificial intelligence to weaponize fake video. This headline is from May 23 and comes from freebeacon.com. So, you know, we live in an era of fake news and the line between fact and fiction has been significantly blurred and political spin has taken over our political discourse. Uh, we've already seen some of the consequences of this and I'm, I'm afraid that there's gonna be much more to come. I think we're also, most of us are by now familiar with uh, images being photoshopped. Um, we, we've been, I think, aware of this for a decade, if not more. Um, but there's a new trend on the rise that is far more troubling called deep fakes. Today's video production technology allows for the production of high quality fake videos. And increasingly, these could also be made by machine learning tools. So. That would be automated, so we could see a lot of this in the near term. So think about it. We could now potentially put words into people's mouths and show them on video speaking those words. That means that soon we won't be able to tell the difference between real video and fake video. And this is extremely worrisome for politics and our future and democracy, etc. In Project Gecko, I touched upon some of the consequences of this trend, so stay tuned for when that book comes out. Second headline is an Icelandic inventor has achieved the holy grail of airborne technology with a drone that looks and flies like a bird. This headline is from May 29 and comes to us from the Nordic uh, businessinsider.com. So an inventor has developed an AI-powered drone that flies like a bird. Let's unpack that. So first, this drone is so similar to a bird that radars can't tell the difference. Why do we care? Well, radars is one way that we can detect um, aircraft. And if we can't tell the difference, then we're gonna have difficulty detecting these types of drones. Second, drones are generally pretty noisy with the quadcopters, the rotors. Well, this drone has the ability to fly without those rotors and it flaps its wings like a bird. So this is gonna limit acoustic detection. So now we can't pick them up on radar and we also can't hear them coming. Third, it's powered by AI, giving it an impressive level of autonomy. So think swarming, think the birds, think Alfred Hitchcock, whatever you wanna think. (laughs) 
So the company expects to have a fully developed product by 2020. The price tag will about be about $80,000 to $92,000 per drone. Okay, so none of us are going to go out and buy one of these just yet, but they could come in handy for law enforcement and military. Um, a similar dr military drone cost, called the Raven costs twice as much, so this could be a much more affordable option. All right, let's turn to Bionic Bug. Last time we left off with Lara's visit to DARPA. There she learned more details about the drones used in the drone show at Nationals Park, and she meets two new characters, Dr. Anton Stepanov and Justine Marsh. Let's find out what happens next. Chapter 9. Coffee. The aroma of freshly brewed coffee filled the air, lifting Lara's spirits. Taking small sips of her frothy cappuccino, she savored the feeling of warmth in her chest, hoping it would calm her nerves. Damn it! What the hell am I doing? Lara fidgeted with the zipper of her leather jacket. When she texted her ex-boyfriend, she wasn't sure he would be interested in talking, but he responded immediately. They texted back and forth, Lara hinting that she knew something about a case of his. It piqued his interest enough for him to agree to meet. For a weekday morning, an unusual number of students packed the Georgetown coffee shop. Three baristas bustled around the chrome espresso machines to fill the long list of coffee orders. Their equipment whirred and buzzed as they frothed milk, ground coffee beans, crushed ice in blenders, and waited for espresso to trickle from the machine. The Grind coffee shop stood just around the corner from her townhouse. It had been one of their favorite spots to spend a slow Sunday morning together, and she'd spent months exercising the painful memories. Maybe I should have picked a different place. Laura had snagged the last bistro table with two wrought iron chairs positioned next to the large glass window. With a good view of the street and the front entrance, she'd be able to see him coming and prepare for their first greeting. She hadn't seen him in person since the breakup. Well, except on camera at Sully's townhouse. Next to her, an old, white-haired man with silver spectacles flipped noisily through the tall, thin pages of his daily newspaper, a notable contrast to the college students glued to their smartphones and tablets. Her phone buzzed with a text from Vic. I have information on Killerbot for you when you get in the office. Lara texted back. Great. I'll swing by in an hour. Finally, although she and Vic hadn't seen each other since the baseball game, they'd been exchanging notes on the case. Lara got the sense Vic was avoiding her since the ballpark, and she wondered why he deflected her questions about the missing evidence. I need to find out what happened to the remote. A dark shadow fell across the table. Looking up from her smartphone as she took a drink, Lara jumped in her seat and nearly choked on her coffee. Rob stood over her, his ruffled, curly brown hair and familiar, handsome, goofy grin. Hey, Rob said as he leaned over for an awkward side hug. Sorry, I didn't see you come in, Lara said, willing the blush creeping up her neck to go away. Her chest tightened as she avoided direct eye contact, calling to memory how he'd hurt her. This was not a friendly get-together. This was about Sully's murder. Rob knew she didn't like people sneaking up on her. But he always found it funny. Now he grinned like he'd won a prize for making her jump. 
He sat in the seat across from her, taking a sip from his iced coffee through a plastic straw. Lara almost rolled her eyes out of habit. The season didn't matter. Summer or winter, he insisted on drinking iced coffee. When they were dating, she would tease him about drinking coffee from a straw, like a little kid. Taking a long sip, he gazed at her playfully with his warm brown eyes. She placed her hands on the table and then folded them in her lap, fidgeting with the hem of her t-shirt. The blush had reached her cheeks. She could feel them burning. The lingering feeling of familiarity stung. After a year together, Lara thought they'd been close. As a private investigator, she prided herself on deciphering people's motivations and character from only a few details and a scattering of behavioral patterns. And yet, Rob cheated on her for several weeks without any of her prized instincts kicking in. She had planned to ask him about the odd behavior, but she never anticipated infidelity from a guy like him. He was supposed to be one of the good ones. The betrayal hit her like a ton of bricks. Besides breaking her heart, it shook her confidence in her own instincts about people. And that was her bread and butter. With him sitting across from her, her heart ached like it happened yesterday. She could still remember how she felt during the moment of truth, like her stomach was punched by an iron fist and the air was squeezed from her lungs. Clutching her coffee cup let tightly, the thought crossed Lara's mind that it was too soon to see him again. But she had important business. Time to woman up, Lara. You can do this. How are you doing? Lara smiled brightly, trying to hide her discomfort. I'm good, Rob grinned. And how's Bimbo Barbie? The initial warmth between them chilled immediately. She hadn't meant to say it, but it had been spinning in her mind for months and just spilled out. Rob winced and frowned at the same time. Alexa is okay, I guess. He shifted uncomfortably in his chair, like he was trying to reset. I was surprised to get your text after the way we parted. But then you said you knew something about a case I'm working. I'm rather intrigued. How in the world do you know what cases I'm working for at the moment? He pasted a fake smile across his face. Yeah, so actually, I was hoping you could give me information about a case I am working on, Lara said, grimacing. Rob's smile disappeared instantly. I hope you didn't lure me here under false pretenses, Lara. Even if you're just telling me what you know about Killerbot, he scowled. You know I'm not at liberty to discuss any of my ongoing investigations with you. Oh, I thought you might say that. But I think the circumstances might change your mind, she gave him a knowing look. And what circumstances might those be? Rob leaned away from her, crossing his arms. Let's just say I know you and your team removed illegal bugs from Phil Sullivan's townhouse last Thursday. Rob gaped at her, his eyes narrowing. And how would you know that? Does it matter? Lara asked, toying with him. Rob's glare could kill a cat. I don't know who your source is, but that's utterly ridiculous. Being honest for once wouldn't hurt, don't you think? Lara's tone lashed at him like a sharpened dagger. A flicker of anger shone in his light brown eyes. His stone-cold face returned, and he looked as if he wouldn't budge. It might help to know that I was in Sully's safe room watching you. Lara looked at him directly in the eyes. It felt good to have something to hold over his head. So I'm the source. And I think Detective Sanchez would be very interested to know the FBI showed up at Sully's townhouse on the night of his murder to clean up an illegal surveillance operation. How about I call him right now? Lara took out her smartphone and pretend to look up his number. 
Rob didn't need to know she'd already told the detective everything. Rob put up his hands in surrender. No, no, Laura, that's not going to be necessary. You don't need to blackmail me into cooperating with you. But I'm going to need you to protect my investigation, okay? I can't have DC's Donut Patrol messing up a sting operation that took months to put into place. Oh yes, the sting operation you mentioned, Laura asked. Now I'm getting somewhere. Against Sully, a known hardened criminal. She let the sarcasm drip from her tongue and narrowed her eyes. Rob shot her a defensive look. We've been tracking Killer Bot's activities on the dark web for months, and we're just about to figure out his true identity. He? Lara asked. We don't know for sure, but we suspect Killerbot is a man. We found him on a message board called TechNow on the dark web trying to purchase drone technology as a potential delivery system for something. Delivery of what? Lara asked. We don't know yet. Based on his desired specs, maybe a biological weapon. He regularly interacted with a person screen named Cybershop. He also communicated with us while we hid our identity under the pseudonym Drone Man. Drone Man? Lara gave him a that's a bit obvious smirk. And Rob shrugged in response. She wanted to laugh out loud, but feared it would disrupt the flow of information. He'd used his call sign for his secret pseudonym? We offered to sell him drone technology as part of our sting operation, hoping to draw him out into the open, Rob continued. But Killerbot demanded we first make a public demonstration of our capabilities. A demonstration? Lara lowered her voice to a whisper, asking, You don't mean the drone show in the ballpark, do you? Rob rubbed his forehead and loosened his collar of his starched white shirt. Yes, we were behind the drones at Nationals Park. Lara's jaw dropped as she absorbed the information. Yeah, come to think of it, that makes sense. And because it was a sting operation, you couldn't inform stadium security or the DC police. Correct. The whole thing had to look legit to Killerbot, or he'd know something was wrong. But how the hell did you get authorization to fly so many drones in the district? Lars stared at him intently. Is that how you got your call sign? Rob winced, his face turning slightly pink. Well, sort of. My boss gave me the nickname because of the sheer audacity of the stunt. The op was a bureaucratic nightmare, but we argued Killerbot may be plotting something big, a terrorist attack of some sort, so we were able to get it approved. No one wants another 9-11 on their hands. Anyway, the sting operation turned out to be a bust. We weren't able to get Killerbot to come out into the open, and then Sullivan died in the park. He took a long sip on a straw. So what were you doing illegally monitoring Sully? Lara asked, pressing one of his well-known buttons. Rob blanched, huh? He paused, searching for words. It wasn't illegal per se. Well, it was a bit of a gray area. Initially from our investigations on the dark web, we thought Sully was Killerbot. Turns out we were wrong. Lara raised her eyebrow. Since when does Special Agent Martin operate in a gray area? Rob shrugged. I was following my boss's order, so it appeared pretty black and white to me. Well, this is new. Lara had to stop herself from drawing too many conclusions. Before he cheated on her, she thought Rob was a rule follower. He would never deviate from the letter of the law, no matter what. Of course, that notion went out the window when he betrayed her. He was clearly capable of crossing the line when it suited his interests. Lara crossed his, her arms. In other words... You should have ended the surveillance once you knew Sully was not your suspect, but you continued the operation anyway. Rob nodded. Lara frowned. The link to Sully 
continuing to nag her. But I thought activities on the dark web are anonymous. I mean, that's what that tour thing is for, right? Rob sighed and looked like he was launching into a lecture. Normal web traffic travels across well-defined and efficient pathways over private surfers around the world. Yeah, yeah, Tor covers the tracks of its users. That much I know. Thanks for the dark web 101. Lara rolled her eyes. What I don't understand is how you could find out who anyone is or where they're located. If Tor is truly anonymous, what's your hack? Rob ran a hand through his curly hair. The dark web is quite the boon for law enforcement. Using Tor, we can blend in with everyone else. It's a perfect environment for setting up a sting operation. You never know who's on the other side of a conversation or deal struck over the dark web. But you're right. It's considerably more difficult for the FBI to detect physical locations or browsing habits on Tor than the surface internet. Difficult, but not impossible, Lara pressed. Rob frowned. I'm not going to say more than that. Let's just say we have ways of circumventing the anonymity feature of Tor. Feeling a growing sense of irritation, Lara brought the subject back to her case. Rob, how could you think Sully was Killerbot? He was one of my oldest and dearest friends, and you worked with him on several cases. You can't tell me you actually thought Sully was part of some evil terrorist plot. I know. It surprised me too. But we had to follow where the leads took us. You know how it works. Sully was posting actively on TechNow message board under the pseudonym Robotech and interacted with Cybershop, asking all sorts of technical questions. We assumed Killerbot might be using multiple screen names to disguise his activities. We hacked Sully's computer, discovered his physical address, and began monitoring him using the bugs you saw us removing. That's when we realized Sully was not Killerbot. What was Sully doing on the message boards then? Lara asked. We now think he was actually investigating us for Killerbot. He tried to hack our computer several times, but our encryption was too powerful. Sully was working for Killerbot? Investigating you? Didn't he know you were FBI? Maybe. We're not sure, Rob said. I saw him at the ballpark before he died, Lara said with a shudder. She didn't like thinking about Sully's lifeless body lying on the cement floor. It made her emotional, and right now she needed to keep it together. She focused on maintaining her game face. You were at the game, too? Rob looked at her sideways. Where weren't you that night? Lara nodded, ignoring his jab. I didn't know it was him at first. He was operating some sort of remote control, likely a spoofer or jammer. Rob rubbed his chin. Huh, that's interesting. I'm surprised he smuggled something like that into the ballpark, or even dared to operate it in public. It's a federal crime for civilians to operate a jammer, and there are stiff penalties. Now that's the Rob I know. I'm sure Sully had his reasons. Do you have any other leads on Killerbot's identity? Rob shook his head. We're still trying to piece together how we were misled to following Sully as our lead suspect. Once we trace back our path, we'll find out where we went wrong and rediscover the scent. We did find one clue I can't make sense of. Maybe it relates to Sully's murder. What did you find? Lara asked. When we arrived at the townhouse, it was trashed. Well, I guess you know that. You were there before us. Was it you? Rob chuckled at his own joke, forgetting his anger. Anyway, we found a prescription bottle in his wastebasket. What for? Lara asked. Rob pulled out his notebook and flipped through several pages. It was for, uh, streptomycin. I think that's a common antibiotic? Lara nodded. Who prescribed it? Rob rubbed his forehead, paging through his notes. 
I didn't write that down. I'll have to check the bottle in the evidence locker and get back to you. That would be great. I really appreciate your help on this, Laura glanced at her watch. I need to get back to the office to talk to Vic. I'll let you know if I discover anything further about Killerbot. When Lara got up to leave, Rob banged his knee on the table in an effort to stand up at the same time. Are you okay? Lara asked, crinkling her nose. Rob nodded. Yeah, I'm fine, he said. Then he stepped toward her and began to raise his arms. Lara's heartbeat quickened. He's not going to hug me, is he? When he kept going, she panicked and she shoved her hand out, accidentally punching him in the gut. Her eyes widened in horror as Rob flinched and grimaced. His face scrunched up and he gave her a what-the-hell look. Lara shot out her hand again, this time shake his hand. Rob raised an eyebrow as his pain look subsided, but he shook her hand. Lara gave it one solid shake and bolted from the coffee shop without another word, not wanting him to see the fresh blush forming on her cheeks. I'm such a moron. She sighed as she slowed her steps about a block away from the coffee shop. The air outside was crisp and refreshing. Squeezing her eyes shut, Lara stood still for a moment and took a deep breath. I survived the first meeting. The next encounter would be easier. And eventually she'd be able to put the past with Rob behind her. When she opened her eyes, something metallic landed on her shoulder. She yelped out loud and flicked whatever it is off her shoulder. She squinted in the sunlight, but only caught a flicker of gold. That better not be what I think it is. Seconds later, a faint buzzing reached her ears and something approached from behind. Slowly, she turned her head to the right and recoiled. Perching on her shoulder was a golden beetle with a green backpack fluttering its shiny wings. The beetle stared blankly at her as if it were frozen in place by its unknown operator. Trembling, she reached up, grabbed the beetle, and put it in her left hand. Hmm, that's strange. The backpack looked a bit different than last time. The tiny cube battery is missing, and she thought she detected a small solar panel in its place. Unless the operator was nearby using wireless control, the microelectron electronics package must enable autonomous navigation. Traversing her eyes up and down the street, she didn't see anything out of the ordinary. No one that looked like they were directing the beetle. A tiny ring attached to its backpack bore a small scroll of paper. As soon as she slid off the scroll, the beetle took flight again, buzzing in front of her face for a few seconds, and this then disappearing into the sky. Her hand still shaking, she unrolled the paper. In tiny print, she read, Meet me at the National Cryptologic Museum. Thanks for listening to the Bionic Bug Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time in producing the show with Patreon at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. See you next week.